I have no idea who's Maverick or who's... What's the other guy's name? I have no idea. I've never seen Top Gun. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. You're talking to two plebs who have never seen Top Gun. I said I didn't want to admit to it, so Marty started recording. <laughs> got, me on, got me on air. Gotcha, bitch. Um, yeah, welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. A little late this week. Schedule's been tight. Just been pushing out that content. Pushing out content. Bitcoin meetings left and right. Meeting the, I met the CEO of Bitcoin earlier today. You uh, met the CEO of Bitcoin. Yeah, we talked for a little bit. I actually met Satoshi yesterday, and he's a listener of the pod. He, sh- <laughs> he showed me his ID and everything. Yeah, Satoshi, if you ever want to move any of those early Bitcoin into one of my wallets, feel free. Oh, no, he's not the Satoshi. He's just a guy named Satoshi from Japan. Oh, oh. I told him to rate and review the pod under his real name. Well, if, if this Satoshi wants to send us any sats, go to tftc.if slash contribute. There you go. Speaking of contributions, we've had a couple sponsors contribute to us as well, and we're very happy for those sponsors. The first is... Cash App, you freaks know all about them. They're having their Cash App Friday right now. Uh, hopefully, by the time we record this, it's still going on. You have a chance to potentially get a full Bitcoin. They're gifting somebody with a full Bitcoin today at some point. Uh, on top of this Cash App Friday, they just upgraded the UI of their app. Bitcoin is now a first-class citizen in the Cash App. Dude, that new UI is fucking dope. It is dope. It is dope. And so you can still use your boost card. You can go to any merchant. I went to a coffee shop this morning, used it, saved a dollar, and then uh, went to Chipotle for lunch with the CEO of Bitcoin and saved 10%. Uh, on top of that, they're letting you deposit and withdraw Bitcoin from the app. And they're letting you stack sats. What we do. So if you're going to download this for the first time ever, make sure you use the promo code stacking sats. You're going to get $5. And then $5 is going to go. To a charity very near and dear to our hearts here at TFTC, that's Al's Lacrosse out of Chicago. They're doing incredible work there. So if you download the Cash App from your local app store, whether it be the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, make sure you use the promo code STACKINGSATS, one word. Get that $5. Get $5 to a good charity. And then on top of that, we got Unchained Capital, our second sponsor of this episode. Unchained doing some great things. Parker Lewis from Unchained just released his weekly newsletter uh, earlier today. The name is escaping me off from the top of my head. Slowly, then short. Slowly, then suddenly is the name of the the uh, the weekly newsletter. He'll be pushing out on top of that weekly newsletter. They have their two or three multi-sig vault service. You can use a Trezor, a Ledger, and uh, set up a two or three multi-sig scheme. Unchained is there to be that uh, second key if they need. If you need them to sign it, excuse me. Other than that, you can uh, sign by yourself and move off out of their vaults whenever you please. Uh, and then on top of that, they have their uh, Bitcoin collateralized USD loans. So if friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin, if you don't want to sell sats, but instead use them as collateral to get a dollar loan, you can do that Unchained as well. Go to www.unchained-capital-vaults to check out their vault program. And Matt's got something to say. It's uh, the name of the the series is gradually then suddenly gradually then suddenly not slowly and the, then the suddenly. first the first piece was great it was great how uh, parker expounded upon how he came to understand bitcoin as money and it's a very personal journey for everybody and i like the way he prefaces it you really can't come to fully understand bitcoin until you question what money is just the 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 institution of money is in general um so it's a very good piece we'll link to that uh, newsletter in this piece as well uh, excuse me, in this uh, in the show notes, so you can check that out. But yeah, we've never seen Top Gun. I'm not afraid to admit it. That movie looks too intense. I don't know. I like the gifts. I feel like I would be about that movie, so I might have to go back and watch. I like the whole 90s like American propaganda movies. Yeah. Like Independence Day and shit. Yeah, Rambo. It's fucking great. I love that. 
I've seen I Independence Day. I saw Independence Day with my brother and my dad. I had to be like five or six years old. My brother was like four or five years old. Ran out of the theater. We we didn't make it past the uh, the part when they started dissecting the uh, the alien in in Area Fifty One. I had to leave the theater at that point. Wait, how old were you? I was like five or six. I forget. My story like that is. Uh I uh, went to Black Hawk Down with my my dad when I was like 14 or something. And we sat through the whole movie. But like he convinced my mom. I went with my buddy and my dad. And he convinced my mom that it was okay because it was like a historical movie. And have you ever seen it? Uh, I've seen Black Hawk Down. It's yes. like super like. Intense. Yeah. And aggressive for like 14 year olds to see. Yeah. And then also one time we saw a movie about aliens. But it turned out that it was about illegal aliens that come into like Great Britain and like they like give head. They're like she, she's like it follows like the protagonist is like this woman who's an illegal alien and she has to like give head to her boss like in the like the closet room of the office. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like 15 years old. It's like where's the aliens, Dad? Like, I was, like <laughs> we watched we read like the little blurb in the newspaper back in the day when you used to do that. When you used to call movie phone. <laughs> uh, your dad's like, damn, this is, this is the type of the aliens I was expecting. <sighs> we never admitted that one to my mom. Uh, yeah, that's what. Uh, I think my dad got yelled at for taking us to Independence Day. We might have been too young for that. Independence Day was recently on my mind because you tweeted about those those Air Force guys that got in trouble for drawing the penis. Yes. And like my favorite comment there was like that pilots who we need if the aliens come. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Turn on a dime. Draw dick in the sky. Yeah, it has like a good sense of humor because that's what we had in Independence Day. So that's what we think when we think. Uh, uh, I've seen Independence Day many times since that that first time where we had to walk out of the theater. But enough about sci fi movies from the 90s. We're here to talk about Bitcoin. First up on the list, we wanted to give a shout out to Stefan Levera and the uh, the BTC Pay server series he's been doing this week on his podcast. He's had uh, a bunch of the people working in and around BTC Pay server uh, on his episode to explain what they're doing, what they have on the roadmap. And it seems like BTC Pay is just becoming some incredible piece of technology that's very flexible, very robust, and something that we use here on our website, tftc.io. Um, and it, it is making... Uh, receiving, sending, and invoicing Bitcoin extremely easy for us, but to see what they have on the roadmap after listening to Stefan's series is uh, is pretty pretty inspiring. Yeah, so far I've listened to Rockstar Devs and uh, Pavel Next, and they, they were both great. Uh, and then and yesterday at BitDevs, uh, Jeff uh, Vandrew uh, presented on BTC Pay too. I'm like slowly becoming a BTC Pay maximalist, I think. Yeah, so Jeff Andrew is the uh, maintainer of the Python implementation of BTC Pay, and he's been on this podcast before, episode eighty something, I believe. So go check that out if you haven't already. But what was I? I unfortunately could not make it to BitDevs last night. What was he talking about? Wait, I, I don't. Is he actually maintaining a Python full implementation of BTC Pay? I thought he he just he he did the BitPatron plugin and the QuickBooks plugin and he wrote them in Python because it's a Docker system so you can write them in Python and it still works. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might be like he I think he took over the reins of coordinating the Python development of BTC Pay. I'm not sure if I okay, but I'm not sure. I'm I guess. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Could be wrong though. Either way. Anyway, what was he talking about? Dude. I don't know. He was talking. He was talking about, and I've, they were touching on this in Stefan in the Stefan series that I've listened to so far too. Is that it's people think BTC Pay is just like a merchant processor software, um, 
And it's way more than that. It's like a full stack. Like one of the ways it, he, he put it in an interesting way, like to compare it to like a node launcher, right? Uh, to Pierre's node launcher, where you can you run BTC Pay and you can easily launch Lightning Node, a Bitcoin Node, BitPatreon. You can all these plugins, WooCommerce, and you can just um, and if you want to like build a project, it's super easy to just build a project as a, a Docker uh, extension to the actual BTC Pay. Uh, set up yeah no i mean again going back to what we've done with our website I, I was incredibly impressed with how quickly we were able to build what we did which is we spun up our own node we spun up a lightning node we have invoicing services obviously and then we were able to uh basically custom brand it as well so we have like the tftc brand all over it. it's just very well done up to this point and to think that it started with a tweet that's about to be two years old in a few weeks. The best tweet ever. Best one of the top, top five. Like, it's because of the follow through. Behind running Bitcoin, uh, this might be like the second best Bitcoin tweet ever. And it's, if you freaks don't know, Stephen Pear from BitPay tweeted something. And Nicholas Dory, I'm paraphrasing right now on the tweet right in front of me. It was like, you lie. I'm tired of the lies. I'm going to make you obsolete. Obviously not word for word, but that's the gist of his tweet. And then he did. And then he did. I mean, people are still using BitPay, but you're... You're dumb if you are at this point. I think BTC Pay is, you know, one of the most important projects we have in this space right now. And that's pretty amazing how young it is. Um, fully open source, like huge develop, like growing developer community located around the world. You know, another thing they mentioned was like a lot of people like you go to the website and it's like a really polished website. People think it's a company um, and they're not a company. So like they expect a level of support that's not there um, because it is an open source project. Another funny thing that Jeff mentioned is um, they have a one-click setup now if you want to run it on a VPS. Uh, they they had it before for Azure, Microsoft's uh, cloud service, but it was way more expensive, and now they have it on Luna Node, so it's way cheaper. And uh, did I also just see that you don't even need a, a URL to launch one anymore either? Like you yeah, don't with have to the hook recent up a, update. Yeah, you don't have to hook up your DNS to it or anything like that? Yeah, I'm not sure on the specifics, but there was a big. It was a, that was like a big improvement. Um, but anyway, the funny thing is, they have this one-click setup with Luna Node, and one of the nice things about Luna Node is they don't do KYC and they accept Bitcoin, um, so you can do it relatively privately. But the way they accept Bitcoin is BitPay. <laughs> so like the number one way, the easiest way to run BTC Pay right now is Luna Node's one-click. But like, if you need, if you're paying for it in Bitcoin, you have to use uh, fucking BitPay. That's actually pretty fucking hilarious. Yep, the irony. But are, are they come are, they, are they talking to Luna? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I imagine. I mean, he mentioned it, but I imagine they roast them on that all the time. No, and I think this is while we're on the topic of BTC Pay, it is important to note that yes, this is a completely new way of doing something, like using off open source software in this. This fashion, like you were, like you said, you're, you have a business stack that you're basically able to bootstrap with because of BTC Pay. And again, the beauty and the the significance of BTC Pay server has been really driven home to me and, and Matt. Uh, actually, I don't want to speak for Matt. For me in particular, the last few months just using it, it's like, holy crap. Like, it's on cruise control, creating invoices, accepting Bitcoin. Uh, the dime bag is l looking if it gets a dime worth of Satoshi's, it'll feed you a final thought. Like it just works. It's just no third party. No third party. I had, we had a, a dev set it up in I think less than eight hours. Like everything, everything that we have functionality wise, did not like took less than a day to get working, um, which is crazy. So fun. I'm setting ass. up the LLC on like the the business side of this stuff, and. and 
the amount of work you have to go through just to get a bank account, just to get be compliant with everything. It's ridiculous. Um, and just like a very uh, manual, non-automated process. And just to think of like that process compared to setting up the store online with BTC Pay is is night and day. It is the future. Right. Yeah. And like, imagine if if you're in another country and you're trying to do international business and stuff like that, everything gets even more complicated. Um, and it's it's you get you get major privacy improvements because you don't have a third party sitting in between everything. Exactly. It's a uh, it is really revolutionary technology, and it has a whole accounting system built in. So if you when you go to file everything, it's you're not chasing things down. They they track price and stuff like that. So it's it's really. I mean, Jeff integrated QuickBooks. It's <laughs> fucking right? crazy. Yeah, it's uh, and it's happening like, like uh, Parker's newsletter gradually, then suddenly it's happening gradually, then then like suddenly, holy crap! UTC Pay Server is like one of the most leverageable stacks that we have on top of Bitcoin. And that that was my PTC Pay Server rant. I'm just really bullish on it all right now. I am. I am as well. Shout out to to Nicholas Dorier for putting the team on his back, giving the middle finger to the man, and and making something better. Uh, what do we got next? Are we going to talk about Wasabi versus yeah. Samurai Drama? Yeah, we have to talk about it. Um, so as you freaks probably have noticed, if you are on Twitter, uh, it seems that there's a bit of a privacy flame war going on between the Samurai uh, wallet team and the, and the Wasabi team. Obviously, both uh, pieces of technology are something that we shill here on TFTC, so it would be remiss of us if we, if we did not touch on the situation that's going on. And I'll I'll just say off the top of my bed and then off the top of my head and I'll let you go, man. I just, I just think everybody needs to chill the fuck out. There's a lot of childish, petulant child behavior going on. Like we're all in this together, working for the same ideals. Let's not cannibalize each other on the way to greatness. Ty, our our, our good friend Ty called me a notorious wasabi shell yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you we are. I mean, fuck. You can't uh, deny that. Can you deny that? No. I'll always be shilling. Uh, chill lightly. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I echo those, those feelings. I, I kind of feel exasperated, embarrassed, uh, disappointed parent type situation. Well, let's explain it. So with Wasabi in particular, the, the, the pro we touched on it last week, I believe the, the, like being breadcrumbed a little bit with the TXO transaction. The, the big problem is the defaults and the the way the defaults are now it's more likely that there'll be user error and they're changing the defaults you know the big one is uh right now it defaults to in an onset of 51 it gives you the green check you know nice and mixed check or whatever um that means with the, with the round sizes which are targeted at 100 sometimes or less but are pretty much always over 50 that means you've only had one round of mixing um, so you really, everyone should be doing, they should be remixing. They should at least do a second mix. So they're going to, they're going to change those default anon sets. And you can do that right now in the settings by just increasing it. So increase it to at least 101. Cause if there's a round of a hundred, then it auto, no matter what it does two rounds at least. Um, the other big thing was, was, uh, spending your, your UTXOs afterwards. Um, you know, the unmixed change is obviously clearly linked to you. It has the the red the red box, the red badge on it. Sometimes it has yellow if it's like a little bit. Um, 
you got to be very careful with those UTXOs. And I don't know, you know, it, that's not a, that post mix is not an easy uh, scenario. There's a lot of nuance there. There's a lot of ways you can fuck it up. Um, and if you do fuck it up, uh, you can expose previous transactions that you thought you were good on. Um, and I, I think, you know, one of the issues here is like with the amount, the, the round size uh, of, a point one Bitcoin, ten million sats. Like people have unmixed change sometimes of like seven million sats, nine million sats. They're not just gonna like let it sit there and like not spend it. Um, and I mean, in, in this case, a lot of this controversy came up because uh, the Wasabi devs themselves donated to Tor and fucked this part up, right? So to say like only noobs fuck it up uh, is explain that story a little bit. They more. donated to Tor. And they posted the transaction ID, and they were like, it went through Wasabi, so it doesn't matter that we post a transaction ID. And the Samurai guys connected it to their YRX account, and were like, you've sold six Bitcoin on YRX, and we could tell that from your donation. And it was because they merged the outputs, um, and specifically some outputs that were very linked to them. Um, and at scale, when you have people merging these outputs, um, it reduces the anonymity set for everyone. So like, imagine you have like 90 people participating, and... You know, sixty of the people are merging their outputs. Then process of elimination, or yeah. To... So you want to merge as little as possible. These are other things that can help in the defaults, like warnings, and when you merge, double warnings, stuff like that. And then the last thing that uh, is is a real issue with Wasabi's current uh, default is that if you have a post mix transaction, let's say you have a UTXO. And it's, you know, 10 million sats because that's the size, the average size of, of a wasabi round. Um, and you spend, or let's just say we, yeah, yeah, you spend 0.5, well, I, not 0.5, you spend 0.05, you spend 5 million sats on, well, that's way too much, on a bunch of cold cards. You buy a shit ton of cold cards <laughs> at 5 million sats because I don't feel like doing the conversion of how much a cold card is. And you have 5 million sats left over, right? And that change is still considered mixed at that point. It has the same Anon set as when you spent it before. But really, the Anon set is now zero because Cold Card knows... That you have that change. They at least know your shipping address and your name you put on the shipping address, right? Or even worse, let's say you send it to Cash App to sell. You know, not only are you selling, which is... Deplorable, <laughs> and then you you also sent it to a KYC service. They know your identity. That anon set doesn't reset, and their argument is, well, we don't know where you send it to. the 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 label on the Wasabi transaction, on the the, the label on the UTXO says, um, the label on the UTXO says Cash App. If you like, when you spend it, ask you where you're sending it to. So it'll say that you sent it to Cash App, but it still shows the green check with the with the anon set up there. So you have to like the user has to know like, oh shit, like I have to remix that. That's um, that's connected to my identity now. Uh, so I'm trying to push for them to just make that default back down to zero. Just like be extra careful, right? Like side on that because because they're right that sometimes you'll spend and you don't leak any data but i think the majority of time if you spend you're leaking at least some metadata whether that's an ip address or an email address or a phone number something uh, or a twitter account right like you're probably leaking something just assume they're leaking something reset it 
what they're doing is they're going to make it so you can manually change the badge. So, like, if you do it in that situation, you can, like, right-click and, like, change it back down to a non-set zero. Um, you know, and if, if they didn't want to just default to switching to non-set zero, it would be kind of cool if they had, like, a when you're paying, like, is the, does this service know anything about you? And you check that box and then it resets or something. I don't know. But, yeah, these are difficult questions. They're UX issues. Um, that's... That's what sort of perturbs me about the whole flame war that's going on. Like these, you can't expect to have all these problems checked off, like all these boxes checked off, like out of the gate. Like these are obviously ideals that you work towards, and both teams are certainly working towards. And I think just trying to drag each other down in the middle of building this stuff out is not not. I mean, it is advantageous to be like, hey, you fucked up here. Like you do not want this happening. But to try to like undermine the whole project does not seem worthwhile but, to me. So for part of the part of the reason is because samurai it's going both ways. So Yeah, oh, it's absolutely going both ways. Part, the ways part of the reason is cuz samurai has these post-mix tools that are attempting to solve this issue, right? Um so they're pitching their solution as superior to Wasabi in this regard. Um you know, Wasabi also has other advantages over samurai as well. Um, and, you know, particularly they have this, you know, this light client mode that doesn't completely destroy your privacy. It's easier to hook your full node up um, and you can connect to hardware wallets. Uh, you, with Samurai, yes, they have Dojo, but it's not fully fleshed out yet. Most users aren't using Dojo and the users that aren't using Dojo are sending all their addresses to samurai servers still yeah but again so, i'll acknowledge that but again dojo's just getting launched like right. it'll it'll proliferate right. and more people will use it and uh, that problem will be solved eventually and like, that's the thing i never attacked them for that right yeah. they're working on it they i'm really excited for the the full samurai implementation when you'll just easily be able to like anyone can easily run their own dojo or buy the noddle dojo you know scan it with their phone all the mix you don't have to install an app on your computer all the mixing's done on your phone like all this stuff and you know i think i think there was valid issues that were expressed by both sides but then there was just like this they 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 both got way School too yard emotional about it fight, yeah, yeah it got childish and exp i was like really i was really personally disappointed by no power's response specifically um, like he let it get to him too much and he lashed out and he like semi docks people and like th you should just be like, we know that this isn't a perfect solution yet. We're going to, we appreciate any feedback that we get. We have these pull requests. We're working on it on improving it. These are the new defaults that we're setting to do this, you know, like be productive about it. Compe in the end, I think all this competition is good. Obviously, um, it's highlighting all these problems. But it's just but. frustrating and annoying, like, being stuck in the middle of it. Uh, and, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, in that regard, it's been a very frustrating week. I think, then the other thing is, you know, I've had people come to me like, oh, it's dangerous that you're um, pushing adoption of these tools when they're not ready. And, you know, my response is, as long as you make very clear that this is not a perfect privacy solution, that there's a lot of fucking nuance here and you can fuck it up very easily, which I think we've done a pretty good job at doing, um, this is clearly a net benefit. Regardless, like, even if you fuck it up, like, the, the status quo here is so fucking dangerous to begin with, where people don't know what a VPN is, they don't know what Tor is, 
They're using their ledger with Ledger Live, and they're sending all their fucking transactions to it. They're using custodial wallets. You know, they're not running their own full node. There's, like, so many fucking issues here. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer, and you need to lead by example. Yeah, and, and, and regardless of any belief on the coin join uh, elements of Wasabi, the other elements of Wasabi allowing you to easily connect your full node in a private way with your, with your hardware wallet. And if you don't have a full node, run a relatively private a light client with your, with your hardware wallet is a fucking game changer in its own. Um, there was no easy way for people to do that before, and now there is. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I feel about that. Just refilling my whiskey. No, oh, yeah, that was our third sponsor today. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the great Jake Shervinsky, awesome lawyer, not my lawyer, but a lawyer nonetheless, gifted us a bottle of Rabbit Hole uh, whiskey straight, or excuse me, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Fucking badass. Shout out to Jake. Legend. Keep fighting the good fight, bro. Rabbit Hole Whiskey is not affiliated with this podcast. It's not, but it, maybe it should be. If anybody's out there working for Rabbit Hole Whiskey, it's a perfect uh, brand alignment. Consider sh- a sponsorship, not a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just to tie up the Wasabi Samurai thing, like everything Matt just said, I would echo. Like it's, it's, These are deals that we're striving for. They're obviously not going to be perfect out of the box. And again, as two individuals who are shilling these products, we are obviously putting our necks out the line, so... Again, it would be remiss if we didn't touch on this. And that, again, we want to be completely transparent here that we, like Matt said, these things do come with nuance. They're not perfect in any way. We do believe you should be exper- experimenting with them, know the risk, and we will try to keep you abreast of uh, the risk as they become known to us. Um, that is that is what we can promise you here at TFTC. And if, you try and anal- if you're analyzing your transactions to see if there's like any like links and stuff like keep in mind like you should be using like a vpn or tor don't like delay when you search these addresses because like they could be any of these sites could be like taking logs and stuff like that there's like so much fucking nuance here and it's like really fucking difficult um well, it's a good point but it's make- getting easier exactly it's getting easier like the things like the noddle imagine when you have like esplorer running on the noddle and you can just use the yeah or the btc blo- pay server has mb explorer on it yeah um, it's getting easier. It's obviously not perfect yet. That's why we're considered "quote unquote" early adopters. These uh, these hiccups and these oh, the rabbit hole whiskey's got me all burpy right now. These hiccups and these imperfections should be expected. But it is uh, tinkerers and explorers and and users who will help flesh out, obviously discover these pain points and flesh them out over time. What would be cool is if. Wasabi and Samurai had like built-in chain analysis tools inside of the software that all run either ideally on your own hardware, like your own node, um, or through Tor, where it's does like with what Wasabi does, where it keeps disconnecting Tor and reconnecting so that you have a new uh, identity every time. Um, that'd be really useful. Like if you could put in two addresses and see like what kind of link there is between the address, so users could do their own, you know, more judgment there. Yeah, um, that'd be pretty awesome. Also, on another note, we we finally started the TFTC video series. Um, our our YouTube channel has been we have we have a new YouTube channel. Um, we all of our podcasts are back. Uh, our back catalog of full podcasts is put up there, and we're going to put future podcasts up there uh, as they get released. We're planning on doing video podcasts. 
uh, a la Joe Rogan and all them. And we did our first walkthrough video, which was Cold Card and Wasabi. You did a great job on that, sir. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you letting me use your intro for the... <laughs> just came out naturally. I didn't even think about it. It's just, well, how else was I supposed to start it? Uh, Sub Freaks, it's your boy, Matt Odell. I think that's how it started with me, too. I was like, what the fuck do I say? <laughs> and um, on that note as well, a bunch of us, uh, the New York City Bitcoin crew, if you are a New Yorker, uh, we're going to be doing a cold card plus wasabi plus full node course at Chain Code on September 26th at 5 p.m. Uh, so stay tuned. And we're looking for like around, it's going to be like around $125. It's going to include uh, a cold card, um, pizza and beer, and, and we might, Rodolfo might show up. So we'll see. Yeah. And uh, we promise that we're not going to backdoor your cold cards before you get there. No, I mean, don't trust verify. Like uh, the post office could do it. So, so could we. And, you know, cold card takes precautions for that. And we will go over that in the class. That was a test. I was making sure you covered that. There you um, go. So I believe that's a Thursday night, correct? 26? That sounds right to me. Yeah. It's right after Riga, but it's, it's just, I was like, we were like, should we do it in August? And August was really tight. And then we all looked at our schedules for September, and September is so fucking tight, too. It's like <laughs> ridiculous. But we didn't want to keep putting it off, so hopefully that'll be the first of many. Yes. I'm um, so really excited about that. And also, we have a lot more videos will be coming out of all different shapes and sizes. Yeah, so make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube, too. We're going to try and blow that out. And again, that's one thing we've realized here. Again, I think we announced this in the beginning of the year is we have big plans at the site. And now the YouTube channel are on that. We're trying to cover all content mediums. It's written with the bent audio with this and the interview series and now visu visual with the video on YouTube. And uh, different people have different ways of learning. And we're trying to to adapt to everybody's way of learning. Yeah, I mean, we're working on it gradually and then suddenly, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I hope. Um, we've, made, we're, we've made so much progress this year. It's been a it's fun insane. year. It's been a fun year. Thanks for listening, freaks. We really appreciate you. This would not be possible. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. The Wasabi uh, cold card video. I left 194,000 sats on the seed. Great little Easter egg. Tell this story. This is an incredible story. Okay, this is the best part. Um, so immediately post a video. Someone swept the seed within maybe 14 minutes, 12 minutes or something, but they used replaced by fee. So then there was a replaced by fee war between like four or five people to actually get the funds where they kept increasing the fee on top of the other one. And it, that was fucking beautiful. It was like best case scenario. I couldn't have hoped for more. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I could have hoped for was that if no one got anything and the miners just got the whole thing in a fee, it would have been, <laughs> it would have been the best game theory uh, how, how high did the fee end up? I'm not sure, but it, it was not the full thing, unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah. Shout out to whoever uh, won that RBF war uh, from the video. That was a cool little Easter egg. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that was pretty badass. I like that. I thought it was a nice way to thank the freaks. Yeah. And speaking of thanking the freaks, we got to give a shout out to this week's contributor. We got a contribution this week via BTC Pay. B BTC Pay enabling the shout out technology that we have here on this podcast. Really hardcore 21st century technology here here's the shout out shout out to the bitcoin plebs doing their damnedest to expose the charlatans taco 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 and that was from neil thank you neil taco thanks. taco taco thanks neil uh shout out to the bitcoin plebs uh i don't know your obsession with tacos but it sounds i love tacos the that's like a pleb thing we we love the tacos yeah tacos are good they're they're a good they're a good food group are they a food group 
Más o menos. Tacos is very overarching because it's just what you put in it. You know, it's like being a fan of sandwiches. Yeah. You know, it's like I like sandwiches. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, myself, I am like a, a chicken pastor taco guy. Ooh, very good. I like a good fish taco as well. I like all the tacos. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard not to like tacos. Yeah, they're very good. Are you, do you like guac? I fuck with guac. Yeah. My lady doesn't like guac. It's her, it's her biggest negative. I didn't like it until I was like 18. I never knew what it was. Well, obviously the avocado craze has happened in like the last decade, so... Oh, I mean, I I was eating guac before it was cool. Of course you were. For what it's worth. Um, this is a fun one. I'm having fun this episode. We're halfway through here. We always have fun here, Marty. This is true. I'm having uh, a special. I'm having a lot of fun on this one in particular. There we go. Ethereum hash rate is down 42% from the all-time high, while the Bitcoin hash rate is at an all-time high. This was just an interesting article from Longhash that Matt came across. Um and yeah, it's uh, the Andy Howe from longhash.com again says Ethereum is becoming increasingly vulnerable to attack. I don't know how uh, how uh, alarmist that that uh, that headline is there because it seems like Ethereum's hash rate has recovered a bit from from its lows in, in February of this year. But uh, it is pretty considerable of a statement that. East uh, hash rate is 42% below its all-time high while Bitcoin's hitting all-time highs. It's supposed to be the programmable store of money for the decentralized financial future. I called this shit. Um, What'd you call? The hash rate rate fall? What? The hash rate fall? Yeah, I mean, they've just... They've done everything in their power to fuck with the miners on their network. And what the fuck do you expect? Like, they're not going to... If you, first of all, if you keep telling them that proof of stake is like three months away, they're not going to invest any more on mining, um, even though we both know it's never three months away. Uh, the perpetual three months. The second thing is they floated forking the algo, which would have fucked them early. I think they're still thinking about it. Like, yeah, pro- they're still talking about it. Programmable P- POW or something like that, They right? changed the mining reward just on a whim whenever they want, you know? So, like... All these things, they just talk shit about ASICs all the time. Like, all these things lead you to a network where, where people, you know, miners are businessmen or women. They're not going to invest in securing your network if, if they don't have certainty. They need to have some level of, of consistency and certainty and expectation on where the network will be in a year. I smell a new ETH beam developing here on this podcast. You know this is going to be picked up and used by them. We could call it a mining death spiral. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it is funny, uh, and I, I was surprised. I thought it, I hadn't looked at Ethereum's hash rate in a minute. Like I would have thought it was similar to Bitcoin, like near all time highs. Bitcoin is at an all time high right now, right? We, didn't we just have a, one. Of, we had a huge difficulty adjustment up. Um, uh, check Bitinfo. I mean, at least it was at all time last week. But anyway. Uh, I, I do think the long hash article was like a little bit alarming for clicks. Uh, you know, they tend to overestimate how easy it is to attack these networks. Yeah, uh, it, a lot of a lot of people make these assumptions that Ethereum doesn't have ASICs. First of all, they definitely already have ASICs. Um, yeah, Bitcoin hit an all-time high hash rate of seventy-four exahash per second on the twenty-first. All-time high, right? Yep, and. Um, and like the other thing is like Bitcoin SV is like stupid easy to attack and it never gets attacked. So 
Uh, <laughs> no, that was another uh, our friend of the pod, Yasina Mandra. He posted last night uh, that Bitcoin Core has ninety seven percent of the SHA two fifty six mining uh, power in the Bitcoin Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Satoshi's vision in the SHA two fifty six ecosystem. Yes, um, or among so, SHA two fifty six so, chains. And like, so this. There's obviously a lot of noise on Twitter for for any of you freaks who are new to this and trying to look at quote unquote crypto fundamentals. Uh, hash rate is my favorite, and it does prove, or it doesn't even prove. It signals where the market is. Like if miners are expending this much capital and energy to mine the Bitcoin Bitcoin core chain, and I, oh, I just got fucking. I can't believe you I got said mine that. played into that. I can't. Believe I got you said mine played Bitcoin into that. It worked chain. on me. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry, Satoshi. Forgive me. Don't worry, he's a listener. Um, the Bitcoin chain is is that's why look at the hash rate. It's got ninety seven percent against the the quote unquote uh, competitive forks. They're not competitive at all. But I'd like to add that it's been that way for a pretty long time now. Yes. Uh, and I I've, I've been been calling attacks and stuff for a while. Well, why is this? Do you think the miners are also mining those minority chains or just just getting pennies? You know, I just don't okay think there's, there's like there's not enough money to be made at maybe and coupled with the fact that miners don't think it's a threat. Like if they thought it was a threat, then maybe they just kill it just to, you know, like make sure like Bitcoin, Bitcoin SV like might kill my golden goose. Like, let me kill it. But no one thinks it's a threat. Right. So maybe. Yeah. And the opportunity cost of switching your hash rate to that chain for any amount of time is probably pretty high. Especially if you're unsuccessful in your your endeavors to attack it. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like you either do it because of profitability, like you can make money attacking it, or if you're gonna take a like an immediate loss on doing the attack, you do it for like ideological reasons because you think like long term you'll be better off if you just kill the chain. Um, so I, but I have been surprised that there haven't been any attacks. Uh, kind of makes me want to become a miner. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a, that'd be like fun. I also was that's thinking, a rough business. It's a rough business. Yeah, I, at BitDevs yesterday, uh, we were talking about there was this Monero just did a bug bounty program and they had a bunch of bugs, and one of the bugs was that you could time lock your Monero when you sent it to an exchange, and the exchange wallet couldn't tell it was time locked. So, like, they could credit you with Monero, but, like, the Monero might be time-locked for uh, 10 years or 100 years or something. Um, Is how to, would the attacker be able to get access to that time-locked Monero? No, but they would just... just uh, the, the exchange would credit them, right? And then they could withdraw either Monero or something else, right? Because the exchange thinks they actually deposited it. Yeah, but they're, are they, they're not time-locking this before they send it to exchange. And that way, they're finding time-locked Monero and saying, hey, we, I can't access this They now. have like a special transaction type that like, upon receipt, it becomes time-locked. Is it just a, like I'm trying to understand if this is profitable or just to fuck you to exchanges? Well, so here's the thing. It's not profitable unless, first of all, it's fixed. The, the, the Monero did this bug bounty program and they found this. So it was a positive bug bounty program. Uh, the only way it would really be profitable is if you were another exchange and you were trying to take down your competition. <laughs> so I was just, the reason I brought this up was because I really like to see, uh, like as much as I hate Bitmain, like I like aggressive miners 
I like aggressive exchanges. Are we like, hypocrites, I wanna... though? Let's go back to our Wasabi Samurai conversation. Are we hypocrites for for being okay in this realm and not that realm? Well, no, no. So, see, I think both services should try and de-anonymize each other, right? Mm-hmm. I just think they should just stick to the facts that are the issue, right? Like, when you start adding em- embellishments and stuff like that, it gets really fucking frustrating parsing through everything. That's true. Um, and, like, neither side should be saying that there is a perfect solution because neither has a perfect fucking solution, right? So, like, don't be... Like, you have to... Everyone in this space has to admit there's trade-offs on everything, right? Like, there there has to be trade-offs. But, like, absolutely attack each other. Like, I want, I want you know... And I, I love... I was I was sitting there in bit I didn't like raise my hand or speak about it or anything, but I'm just sitting there. I was like, why can't we live in a world with exchange to exchange warfare? Like, when will that happen? <laughs> maybe it already is happening. Maybe, maybe. Um, so wait, go back. Like, how is this profitable? So it's only profitable if another exchange is doing it to bring down their competition. Yeah, I mean, it's just you could fucking exchange if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, you can't make profit from it, but you can fucking exchange. Not anymore. You could, but not anymore now. Yeah. It's fixed. Right. Um, and then there was a similar bug that you could actually, if you were a Monero miner, you could basically send like a zero balance transaction that they thought was more, that was actual Monero and get credited and you can make profit from that. But that, that was fixed as well. An inflation bug? It wasn't an inflation bug. It just tricked the exchange into thinking that they uh, received big, uh, Monero. Okay. They didn't. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that was, I just thought that would be cool if we had exchange to exchange warfare. That would be pretty dope. Um, so if you're an exchange out there, be careful. You, you never know who your competition is who's looking to take you down. Oh, and that was the other thing. BitMEX, I don't have, we don't have this on and the this list. This also highlights the, uh, the, the risk you take when you, when you add a lot of coins to your exchange, too. Yeah, we talked about that at BitDevs, too. And we've talked about this on the pod so many times. Yeah. Every new asset you add adds a, adds a security hole. Yeah. yeah. And you have to like keep track of all this shit. Like, it's so hard to keep track of. And, uh, you know, by a lot of people, like, Monero is treated as one of, like, the more quality assets. Like, imagine, like, what, like, Vertcoin vulnerabilities there are or whatever, <laughs> Verge. I don't know, like, all the shit that Binance has. Like, you can't, I can't even imagine, like, what kind of shit is going on there. And this is also another example. Clams, of, Clams was the example. Yeah. And that wasn't even, like, a chain thing. That was just, like, being able to trade on leverage fucked Polonius. Yeah. And then there's there's a whole other thing here, too, that it sheds light on, which is, like, complexity is, like, the enemy of security, right? Like, as these systems get more complex, uh, like, in Monero's case, like, you could have these kind of bugs uh, where, like, that could have been fatal to an exchange if it was exploited. Yeah. No, it's... um. That's why you got to find beauty in Bitcoin simplicity and the simplicity of a Bitcoin only world. But what I was going to say before is we also have BitMEX got served. Isn't BitMEX getting sued or something by the government, U.S. government or investigated by the U.S. government? They are. Yes, I believe so. Um, But I don't think it's anything like it could get. From what I can tell, the worst that will happen is they'll get a fine for allowing U.S. traders to trade on there. But they don't, they, I mean, you'd have to use a VPN if you were a U.S. trader and you were trading on there. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, Supposedly on Bitfinex, you don't have to even use a VPN. You just like, they ask you if you're an American. <laughs> if you say no, they just It's like hopping on the Pornhub. Are you yeah. 18? <laughs> um, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like Bitfinex should just be blocking U.S. IPs. But like if you use a VPN, like there's nothing the exchange can do about it unless they compromise the privacy of all of their non-American users too, which is ridiculous. Like you'd have to force KYC on everyone 
which is just like just it's horrible for the privacy and security of users at the end of the day because that information can leak can get taken advantage of and why is this so hard for uh, governments to to realize they don't give a shit i mean we saw Barr. he was arguing it's like the encryption war started all over again or i guess it never ended what uh what do you mean by that what's his first name what is he is, is he the ag i didn't steven Barr. Bar encryption. No, no, no. I think his name starts with an A. Um, Andrew. MIT Tech Review. Anthony is my guess. Let's see. No, William. Did you say William? Uh, I don't a- know what I said. I was right, though. He is the AG. Attorney William Barr's speech on Tuesday uh, said that the government needs backdoors. And there's no such thing as a secure backdoor. Uh, we've seen countless times the government loses control of this information so even and, if you trust your own government and the precedent has been set with the pgp wars of the early 90s like code is speech well that's what i'm saying these these wars have never ended the war is still going on uh it's more relevant now than ever we have more people using encryption than ever before and uh it'll I, i'd be surprised to see it go away anytime soon like we're gonna have to keep fighting it's a good segue into the conversation of coin center so coin center has been a a foundation or not a found whatever it is they're in dc they lobby on behalf of cryptocurrency or at least attempt to lobby on behalf of cryptocurrency and has been much maligned by people like beauty on in the past like why should these people be going and talking to politicians and a lot of people will say that coin center is just going to try to craft law and whatever their backers want to see happen but from what I can tell, from my arm's length view, it seems like Coin Center has been getting good information into the hands of Congress people and the reps in our government. And, I mean, again, don't trust, verify, and you'll never be able to fully trust this stuff. But, again, just optics-wise, it seems like they're at least a net positive uh, when it comes to being in D.C. and in, in, in American politics. Yeah, I mean, that's if, if you have unmixed change... That's at least smaller amounts. Um, well, first of all, either we, we, we actually didn't touch on this when we were talking about was the whole wasabi thing. Like, just leave it there for now and figure it out in the future is like a good, I think, a good strategy. Um, if it's you can always you can move it to Samurai if you're running a dojo as well and mix it because they have smaller pools. So you can mix it through them. And then the third option is if it is a smaller amount, um, consider donating into Coin Center or Tor. You know, like that's a re- those are two really good causes, um, and and at least that unmixed change will go to good to good use. I think Coin Center is is doing really good work. These positive signs that we have seen in Congress these last few weeks is is hi- highly is is not mainly because of Coin Center, but they're one of the one of the big reasons I think that we do see that. Um, and and they all seem to be they all seem to be fighting the good fight. So that's really good to see. Yeah. Um, I think they're giving, I mean, from what I've seen, Peter Valkenberg, obviously Niraj, Jerry Brito, their whole team, everything they've written, they seem pretty down for the cause of not bringing a cashless society and they're pretty for financial privacy too, which we should all be for. Yeah. They just, yeah. I mean, we, we, well, I definitely me, I've, I find a way to complain about a lot of things and I have no complaints about coin center. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, the other thing is, uh, I just lo- I just lost it again. I'll let Matt uh, gather his thoughts while we talk about this, because, again, like Matt said earlier, these wars have not ended. They're, they're going to be going on in perpetuity. 
it is under our control. Like you either stand up and do something about this and speak up about it, or you cower at your computer desk and just let the the panopticon coalesce on you. The so I I remembered and forgot twice, and I again. <coughs> remembered again. Um, Bitcoin Rabbi is sending a book to every congressman and every senator, um, and he I think he's still like 150 books short. So consider donating to that. That's a great great cause i mean i think i said on this pod that i think this book will be uh more influential than the bitcoin standard and this is exactly what what you'd expect to see yeah we need more patrick McHenry's out there freaks i just wish i could be a fly on brad sherman's wall when he gets bitcoin rabbi's book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe he'll burn it i bet he burns it he's also sending inventing bitcoin uh to them the We're rabbi fine. is, which was a pretty class it, act move. It, again, uh, free shout out for both those books. Like you said, uh, like the Bitcoin rabbi's book is incredible for just like getting a high level understanding of this. And then when you want to understand the intricacies of how Bitcoin works, inventing Bitcoin is the best two hour primer on understanding like Bitcoin as a system and as proof of work and how all that stuff operates. What's the name of the Bitcoin rabbi's book again? Uh, put me on the spot here matthew well i keep Please. calling it bitcoin rabbi's book i, I think it's like... called bitcoin money right uh, i think you're right i think that's what it's called yeah bitcoin money yeah a tale of bitville yeah so go check that out support that cause uh again we need to speak up we need to be heard yeah, I donated to all three of those organizations, organizations FYI. Um, we already talked about the new Cash App UI. Here's something that I was really excited to write about earlier this week, and that is Upstream Data released their, their mini data center, the OHMM O-H-M-M product, and that is basically a, uh, a little box that can be brought onto oil and gas fields that are flaring off uh, gas into the atmosphere or burning off gas, uh, which is a lot worse for the environment than capturing and using that that uh, fuel. Um, so these little own boxes will show up on these sites, cap that flared gas, and turn it into Bitcoin. Uh, like the worst is to release it. Yes. Then like the second worst is to flare it because you light it on fire. Yes. And then the best is to turn it into digital gold and make some useful and get some get some useful use out of that energy. Uh, and so the yeah, like I have a vision of the future where these ohm data centers are on, at an oil field everywhere, and these people, these people, these uh, oil uh, barons are trying to bring fuels to the to the masses. The obviously, climate change is a huge topic right now. Earth's pretty dirty. We're using a lot of energy. I think it'd be stupid to think that we're not going to continue losing a lot of energy, especially as the population balloons towards eight billion people. And best course of action going forward is probably to be as efficient as possible. Uh, with these fossil fuels and and treat them as precious things that should not be wasted because we're we're number one polluting the the environment and then number two just or I don't know what's worse wasting the the potential energy or, or polluting the environment. Yeah, I mean it's all about incentives. Bitcoin gives a direct incentive here to be more efficient, to be more environmentally friendly. You know these these uh, these people would would not would not be flaring. Um, they would just be releasing the gas into the atmosphere if it wasn't for regulations that forced them to flare a certain amount for environmental reasons. 
these these little mining rig boxes. You know, I think they hold like eighty ASICs or something like that. Maybe a hundred over a hundred ASICs. I'm not sure about the ohm in particular, but there are some. Because he used to do the he still does he does the containers, the big shipping containers. But these are smaller and they can stack. They're easier to move. Um, you can move these with a pickup truck. Yeah, these give um, these give a direct incentive to flare because you make money flaring, right? Like before, it was like flaring just cost you more money, but you did it because. You had to do it for regulations, um, but but in this case, there's a there's a direct incentive. No matter where you are in the world, regardless of your regulations, to flare it uh, and and to mine Bitcoin with that with that energy generated. Yeah, and uh, so I believe Steve said in his thread when he announced that last Friday, was that this one one little fully packed ohm data center in this one mining field that he unveiled it in would save. 7,200 metric tons of carbon from going into the atmosphere Yeah, I mean, over the course I'd, of a year. We haven't verified that number, but even if it was half that or a quarter of that, that'd be fucking huge. Right. Also, the other thing is I keep saying flare, but obviously if you're using it with the miner, you're not flaring it. You're just burning it for energy. Yes. Uh, flare implies that it's part of that release process. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I mean... Are we are we ready? To, we're starting. We're ready to meme that Bitcoin is green, right? Like I think Bitcoin. I, is, oh, dude, I'm way ahead of you. Been, like if I've you're an environmentalist, a you're a hypocrite if you're not pro Bitcoin. Exactly. That's the thing that pisses me off. Like we have something. Like people want to cry to politicians, be like, "Let's sign a green new deal. Let's carbon tax the shit, everybody." How about you look at what you can actually do today? And this is something you can fucking do today to cut emissions from the atmosphere. Stop talking. Start fucking walking the walk. Bitcoin is the Green New Deal. Bitcoin will solve every problem in the world. Oh, I fucking... <laughs> Pierre has just been on fire lately. Uh, just... Like, people, like... Don't complain about trolling on Twitter. Like, that's what the platform is designed for. And most of the people who complain about trolling are doing it themselves at the same exact time. Exactly. When they're complaining about it, they're also trolling. So, just suck it up. Develop some thick skin. But that was, a, that was an A+. Plus, that was an A-plus tweet. Uh, would you expect any less from Pierre? No, I wouldn't. I mean, Bitcoin clearly doesn't solve literally every problem. I don't know, man. That's what I think he said. Literally, it <laughs> solves literally every problem in the world. Um, but I like that. And then Stefan took it a step farther. He's like, Bitcoin fixes this. You know, like have constipation. Bitcoin fixes this. Huh? <laughs> Stuck in traffic. Bitcoin fixes this. Yeah, just know that you could uh, hook up a miner to your car and start mining Bitcoin to fix the the, the existential dread, <laughs> knowing that you're wasting time in your car. Um, but going back to the Ohm, that Ohm data center mined Bitcoin last week, too, in the first week that it was open. Obviously, it was contributing to a pool and did not see the full block reward and fee, but it, the, one of the miners within that Ohm data center solved the block last week. Shout out to that. Badass. Yeah. Contributing to consensus. Steve Barber killing it. He really is. Steve, if you're listening, get your ass to New York. We need to talk. Have we not having him on the pod yet? No, we haven't. We, I mean, I've been talking to him. I've been flirting with him on Twitter for a while now. Yeah. No, I, mean, I slid into his DMs. <laughs> you're about to tell me you weren't <laughs> flirting. Um, we'll end it on this. Hong Kong. The Hong Kong protests turned very violent this week. There was uh, a bunch of men in white uniforms or not uniforms it's like white street clothes they, they were wearing like a, a gang uniform i think they were triads, triads right? that's yeah. what they're saying so the, the rumors are they were triads they were just going beating the shit out of protesters well, and more importantly the police that are omnipresent in hong kong disappeared yeah. and then all of a sudden these triads came in 
and they just started beating the shit out of the protesters. Um, and it it seems like it's pretty clearly uh, Chinese state motivated. Yeah, it's like the little green men in Ukraine, right? Like the Russians send in troops, and they're like, "Well, we took the patch off that says they're Russian. You know, we're not there." Exactly. It's the same idea. I mean, I, it could be like a false flag. Presume, you know, right? There's always that option, right? Like maybe like the triads are pro protesters, and they came in to beat the shit out of the protesters to pretend that. But then why weren't anyone arrested? That's what I would say. And no one was arrested. They have cameras everywhere. They have policemen everywhere, and nothing happened. Like how the fuck did that? Yeah. Also highlighted the need for, highlighted the potential need for a Second Amendment as well. Um, Yep. Yep. People were very quick to point that one out. Like imagine, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You have people get running around and the shit kicked out of them with sticks. Yeah. At least some dudes were walking around with machetes. If yeah, if you had like one or two Complete people with guns in there, all of a sudden everything changes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, stay strong, Hong Kong. Where you know, I wish we could do more than just talk about it. Uh, uh, but we we support the the the, the mission and the fight over there. Um, you hey, talk about. An intolerant minority within that. I mean, they're not technically mainland China, but they are within that Chinese territory. And Hong Kong is that intolerant minority that's holding on to the last bit of uh, freedom that they have. I'm, I'm not, I hate to say it, but I'm not, uh, I'm not so bullish on their win. I mean, you, they're intolerant minority in to- terms of all of China. Yes. But. One of the reasons the protests have been as effective as they have been is because there's a, you know, a large percentage of Hong Kongers are actually standing up. I mean, I think the population of Hong Kong, I was surprised. It's like 8 million or something. Yeah, 2 million were in the streets. Like, as a New Yorker, I was like, ah, oh, flex. I thought you guys were bigger than us. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the 2 million, 3 million. What, there's a large amount of people protesting uh, and, and showing support for this. So that's always good to see. Um, it's fucking human nature. They're fighting for yeah. like it's visceral. Like, the, I wish you guys well. I our don't, buddy, again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm worried. Our buddy in China, in Hong Kong, uh, Leo, Leo Weiss or Weiss. I'm not good at pronouncing names. Who was on the panel that I moderated for Bitcoin 2019? Um, he was saying that he's noticing in like Chinese publications, it's like a change from from like Chinese citizens in Hong Kong are protesting to like, we have to quell the periphery like traders, you know, like they're like the Westerners. It's like, it's almost like they're not, you know, they're like dehumanizing the fact that they're actually Chinese. Uh, you know, they're, they're outsiders that are, are rebelling against China. Yeah. And that's a pretty dangerous change in tone uh, to see. So on right, top of that, you have what, what's going on in the uh, the East China Sea. They're building out land there, which is a very highly contested area in the world. Um, and that's a provocation in its own. I believe they, they recently made a deal with Thailand. I could be wrong here in the exact country. I think I it's not Thailand. Been following that. I think they might have like made like a military base in Thailand or something that's just stoking more provocation. It's not. I mean, this is going all the way like the U.S. is. I mean, in their defense, if I was them, I would totally be building those islands and stuff. I think it's kind of a cool flex, but that's just me as a geopolitical. But no, nerd. you don't want them to build those islands. Because the building of those islands and what's going to go on those islands is strictly military. No, like but as an American, I don't want them to. But if I was like no, Chinese as a human, government, you don't want people building war like war infrastructure. Eh, 
That's basically what it is. I don't know. I want exchange versus exchange warfare. Like people should act greedy and 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 uh, you know I I res- I respect balls. You know, like I respect when Putin walks in and 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 does a little green men and it tells everyone that they're not Russians and gets away with it because it took balls. And I respect when they keep building these islands because it's in their best interest. And we're not fucking doing anything about it, right? So, like, they're being, it's effective. It's an effective strategy in their own best interest. Like, if that's what, how the incentives work, right? Like, they need to defend their area. What is, what is the end game of the strategy, though? Like, that is, like, should we even be playing this game? Can what, we get people to move to another game? Look, the U.S. strategy is we have 11 aircraft carrier groups, and the next country has, like, two. Okay? So, we try and control every single waterway in the world. The Chinese strategy right now is, Let's just have, like, decent control over, like, our own water, right? Like, that's a reasonable... That's what I would do if I was them. That's all I'm saying. I can see that. Um, And then on another note with this Hong Kong protest, just once again to highlight, the reason we know about this triad thing is because it was live-streamed on Twitter, which is crazy, right? right? Like, it's still pretty crazy to me that we can see these HD videos live as they're happening, and it's pretty hard for... It appears, you know, it's, it's been pretty hard for the government to block them. Yeah. Nah, it's pretty heavy. Like, you're just watching a live stream, and then all of a sudden, people just start getting the shit kicked out of them. It was a, like, I saw a pregnant woman got, got, like, her, I mean, I'm not trying to bring more fear and guilt into this, but, like. Well, like, it wasn't even, like, an actual protest on the street where they hit. They hit, like, a subway station. They hit people going back from the protest to the subway, But some people weren't coming back from the protest, right? Some people were just in a subway station, because that's what subway stations are used for. (laughs) And you know, there's like plenty of other people that are in that subway station. Yeah. Stay it's safe like out there. Anybody listening in Hong Kong? Um, the other thing is uh, Noddle, just, uh, they just upgraded the Noddle again. Uh, so now Electromax is, is finally live. Boss. Um, so I'm syncing that. So we'll stay tuned for that. We'll have some videos. Uh, we'll have, uh, we'll talk about it on the pod. Um, yeah. Oh, and then the other thing is, we had a listener reach out to me on DM from Turkey and she just wanted to say that he really appreciated the pod and that, that he knows multiple listeners in Turkey. And I just thought that was really cool that he, you know, he's like, our currency already sucks. Like this is not a theoretical. Well, shout out to you. Thank you for listening. Uh, and thank you for Bitcoining. And, and again, like my heart goes out to you too in Turkey. I'm sorry you had to live under Erdogan's incompetence. Um. Yeah, and this is, we're all in this together. That's a crazy thing. Like you have somebody from Turkey DM you, and we have like as humans, these especially humans drawn to Bitcoin in particular, we have this innate uh, automatic connection because we just have these these common worldviews that that Bitcoin sort of pulls out of all of us. And that's like going back to the social media aspect of being able to to videotape something and and have what's happening in Hong Kong flash into our living rooms here in Brooklyn. Like that's empathy creation. That's been the beauty of this podcast, and what we what we're building here is is learning that there's a lot of others like us all around the world. And shout out to you, freaks! Thank you for listening. Yeah, I mean, it's not only empathy; it's accountability. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening, freaks. We love you guys. We do. It's a perfect place to end it. Stay humble, stack sats. Peace and love. <laughs>